Hey, Kings Church, 2020 has been a wild ride, but we are here. I wish we could all be in a room together, but we can make it feel like we are. So light up that chat. Let people know you're here. Let's have fun with this this morning. I'm so grateful. I just want, I want you to know I'm so grateful for you showing up, leaning in, putting your heart into this. It'd be a lot easier to sleep in and watch Netflix this morning and then get the cliff notes later. But uh, I just want you to know I'm really grateful for you. I'm praying for you. I believe God has something great for your life today. So we're going to jump in. I want to talk to you today about becoming a river of life. You ever been around those people and you know who I'm talking about? Those people who walk in a room and the room lights up a little bit. Or when you're talking with them in a conversation, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I just want to pause and say, I'm not talking about personality or charisma. I'm talking about the spirit of a person. We've all experienced those people and we've experienced plenty of people who aren't like that. People who complain or have a heavy spirit or a spirit of anxiety or fear and they're contagious. They kind of spread that everywhere they go. You know, small group ends and instead of talking about the 10 amazing things that God did do, they talk about the one thing someone didn't do. Or they get home from work and instead of thanking God for their day, they curse their boss for how they treated them. They can't help but find the negative in every situation. The context of Jesus' statement is the Feast of Booths. It's a seven-day Jewish feast. And out of Leviticus 23, it reads, You shall dwell in booths for seven days, that your generation may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the purpose of this feast was to celebrate the fall harvest, the, the ingathering of the crops, to thank God for all that he provided, and ultimately to celebrate the exodus from Egypt, God's deliverance and his promise fulfilled. On the final day of the feast, the seventh day, the priest would take water from the pool of Siloam and he would pour it out to represent how God provided water for the people in the wilderness. Manna came down from heaven and fed them and water poured from a a rock, not a walk, but a, a rock, and watered them. This was a statement that God is their provider and ultimately their life is found in him and him alone. And it's into this context that Jesus stands up and he declares, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is echoes of Isaiah 55, where Isaiah says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. He's saying this is a free gift. It's not something you have to pay for. It's not something you earn. It's not something you climb the ladder to get. No, no, you just come to me, God says in Isaiah. Come, buy and eat on my tap. I'm going to foot the bill. I'm going to pay for it. You just come and have all that you want. Come buy wine and milk, enjoyment and refreshment, joy and provision without money and without price. God says, you can't pay for this. You can't bring enough to the table to eat at my banquet, but I'll provide it all free of charge. This is the essence of the gospel that Jesus came and he died for our sins in our place so that we could have life in his name. And it's not something we can earn. It's not something we can pay for. It's something we can only Received, but Isaiah goes on, he says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The imagery is of someone investing money into something that has no return or value. ROI, return on investment, is everything in business. If you're an investor, you get it. You look for ROI everywhere you go. And I was raised in a frugal home. My grandpa was raised in the post depression era. You didn't open the fridge for more than five seconds. He'd say, think about what you want, open the fridge, get it, and get out. 
And I was always like, Grandpa, I don't know what I want. I don't know what's in your fridge. And he said, well, figure it out, open it, and shut that door because you're not wasting my electricity. Or we'd open the back door and he'd yell from the other room. He'd say, shut that door. I'm not heating the whole neighborhood. We learned how to pinch a penny. My parents always said the 4th of July was like watching money burn or throwing money down the drain. Jesus looks on the people of the world and he says, that's what you do. Not with just your financial wealth, but our entire lives. When we look all these other places, we look for substance, we search for meaning, we long for life, and we look in all the wrong places. Even our best efforts, God says, are like rags before him, instead of coming to the source of life itself, namely God himself. How often does this describe our lives, spending our money for that which is not bread and laboring for that which does not satisfy? Here in John chapter 7, Jesus continues the theme that he began with the woman at the well. What an illustration of a woman woman coming to a well in the heat of the day, looking for something to satisfy her that Jesus alone could satisfy. And he told her that although her life is a mess and her shame is great, she can be truly satisfied because he has the waters that cleanse and the waters that ultimately give life. That's what he told her in John chapter 4. And she experienced the river of God's life in that moment. And she became a river of life to her entire community. Here in John chapter 7, Jesus says that river of life that he offers is not meant only to satisfy our thirst. It's not meant only to save our souls, but it's actually meant to become a river in us and to pour out from us. So how do we become a river to the world around us? How do we become a river to our neighbors and our coworkers and our family? How do we become the kind of person that everywhere we go, we're spreading the good news and the life and the hope that is found in Christ? How do we plant this church, not by willpower or best efforts or charisma or giving it everything we have, although we will, but from a deep place of inner strength in God and deep wells of the presence and the life of Jesus. How do we do that? Well, I think Jesus actually gives us a few steps. He, he says, if you're thirsty to the one who thirsts. So step number one is we become thirsty. Thirst is the only prerequisite. It's not that our life is all put together. It's not that we're amazing and awesome and we've got it figured out. It's not that we're great. No, no. The prerequisite to being a river of God's blessing to the world around us is that we are thirsty for Jesus. And my hope today is simply to stir up some thirst in your heart, to stir up some thirst in your life that you would long to be in his presence more, that we would become like David in Psalm 42 who says, as a deer pants, he says, I'm just like a deer, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, When shall I come, David says, and appear before God? He says, my food has been my tears. My my tears have been my food day and night. He says, I'm just, I'm crying. I'm weeping. I'm longing. This is not a coffee cup verse. This is a, a verse of desperation. How did David get there? Well, he didn't get there by sitting on the couch. He, he didn't get there by binge watching Netflix. He, he didn't get there by consuming his time, looking at the stock market and the news and all the terrible things happening in the world and all the things the politicians had done wrong and how bad coronavirus. He didn't get there from being like that. No, no, he got there actually from seeking the presence of God. Something I've learned in life is that my appetite grows whenever I feed it. So when I'm hungry for sugar and I go get my wife's apple pie with the crumble topping and I, I get a slice, I'm satisfied for a moment, but When I have that pie, my appetite for the pie grows and I want more of the pie. The way I get rid of my appetite for the pie is not by satisfying my appetite, but actually from resisting the desire to have the pie in the first place. 
Uh, talk about binge watching Netflix. My wife and I have recently been going through the Star Wars trilogy and the second trilogy and now the third trilogy and, and we're absolutely loving it. And I go to bed thinking about, man, I want to watch the next Star Wars tomorrow. I can't wait to see what happens. We're, we're actually investing in that and it's giving us an appetite for that, which is growing our appetite for that every time we do it, if that makes sense. How did David feed this desire, this longing? How did he cultivate this desperate longing for God? Well, he pursued God. He fed his appetite for God. This isn't a theory. It's a natural and spiritual law. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap corruption eternal life. If, if you want to become a river of life, become thirsty by sowing into your relationship with Jesus. What if you developed a rhythm before you went to bed where you spend five minutes reading your Bible, and when you woke up, you spent five minutes reading your Bible? What if you developed a habit of when you walk into work, you said, I'm just going to pray as I walk into work. And what if when you got in your car, the first thing you did is you thanked God for something. You said, the, the moment I sit down in my car, I'm going to thank God for something in my life. We need to develop a thirst for Jesus, and that begins by investing in our relationship with Jesus and by coming to a place of desperation where we realize that nothing else in life will satisfy. I know for me, my, des my best days aren't when I wake up and check the stock market or read my emails or whatever. My best days are when I wake up and I get on my knees and I open my Bible and I get out my journal and I seek him. Those are the days where the rest of the day I'm able to pour out the river of life because I've received from the river of life. So step one, Jesus says, is get thirsty. Step two, he says, is come to me. This is simple and yet profound. Jesus says, don't come to religion, not activity, not performance, not striving, not becoming a better and more perfect version of yourself. No, no, no. Come to me. Out of the overflow of a forgiven soul, do we become a river of life. And when we come to the source of the river itself, we come to the river head, that's when we become a river of life. Let me ask you, when's the last time you sat at the feet of Jesus and opened your Bible and put your phone away and got your journal out and just spent time with him? M maybe that's the step for you when this ends. This, this launch team meeting is about preparing our hearts and preparing our community to start this church with health, with faith, with DNA of who God has called us to be. So maybe the next step for you today is just to carve out some time before this day ends and say, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to refresh the river of life in me. His invitation is there, and he said he would give the Spirit without limit. John chapter 3, 34. Church planting requires that we pour ourselves out. And if we want to see the work we've been praying that God would do, if we want to see dozens and hundreds of people meeting Jesus, it's not about getting them ready. Jesus says they are ready. He said the harvest is plentiful, but he said the workers are few. It's about getting ourselves ready. It's about praying that God would make in us a river of life where we can put our hand to the plow and work for the salvation and the good of many. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. The number of people who will put their hand to the plow to pray and share Jesus and work to create a community where someone can find God and find family and experience freedom and to discover their God-given purpose and join the team to make a difference with their lives. The number of workers determines the pace at which you can do the work.
to do the work that he has called us to do. We need to develop the capacity to sit at his feet and learn his ways. It reminds me of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy getting everything ready. Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was busy with the work. Mary was busy with his words. And Jesus said, Mary chose the better portion. Mary filled her tank so that she could give out from the overflow of walking with Jesus. Maybe you need to hit reset today. Maybe COVID has has broken every rhythm you know of being in church and small group and Bible reading and prayer. Maybe today is a reset where you say, you know what, I'm going to come back. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm just going to come to him and receive. Number one is get thirsty. Number two is come to him. Number three is to drink. Drinking requires action. God doesn't say, hey, I'm going to open your mouth and I'm going to pour it in. I'm going to do it. No, no. He says, if you open your mouth to me, I will fill it. That's Psalm 8110. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You need a place. You need a plan. And you need a time. Start a Bible reading plan today. You can open the YouVersion Bible app and find a million plans. Just start one of them. I promise you the whole book is good. Pick a place in your house. You're going to do it every day, whether it's a dining room table or a closet or a basement. I know for me, I pace my basement in the mornings praying, or I go on a walk in my neighborhood praying. could be wherever it is. Pick a time, pick a place, and pick a plan. That will help you so much. Put it on your calendar when you're going to spend time with Jesus. King's Church, I just want to say God has big plans for us. He has big plans for you. He wants to make you a river of life everywhere you go, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. But let me leave you with this. What empty wells are you tempted to drink from? Whether it's social media or entertainment or alcohol or addictions or pornography, approval of others, always painting a better picture of yourself than is really true. Isolation. COVID-19 has just wreaked havoc on those of us who are tempted to isolate ourselves anyway. It's, it's left a big open door for us to isolate and become independent. All of these temptations are empty wells. They're, they're things that won't satisfy. They won't give life. It may feel easier. It may feel more comfortable to not put ourselves out there, to seek community, to do all these things. But I tell you what, it, uh, it is going to come up empty. It will leave us in a dark place. We'll never find life there. Will you take a bold step today and call someone and confess your sin and ask them to pray for you and pick someone who's mature and can help you and help you get back up on your feet and walk with Jesus? Will you pick someone who can help you come to maturity in your walk with the Lord. Pick a roommate or a spouse or a small group leader and just tell them, man, this is where I'm at. Will you pray for me and help me get back on my feet and live for all that God has for my life? What rhythms of drinking do you need in your life to become a self-feeder? What will it take for you to have spiritual strength on a consistent basis? You know, Bible reading, prayer, community, worship, confession, repentance, these are all disciplines like exercise. They're hard that we don't always feel like doing them, but they lead to life. What disciplines maybe do you need to build back in to your life? Listen, there's a promise here that you'll become a river of life. Jesus promised to give the Holy Spirit without limit. You can have as much as you want. Like a friend who says, call any time. The ball is in our court. But I just want to say this, the purpose of this passage is not actually about our devotional life. The purpose of this passage is about our faith in Jesus. It's about salvation that can only be found in him, that he is the bread of life, that he is the treasure hidden in the field, and that he is the river that never runs dry. The context of this passage is that Feast of Booths. And what Jesus was saying when he stood up to declare this message, he was saying, whatever you're looking for, wherever you're looking for, it it is found in me 
and me alone. Believe in me, Jesus said. This is the source of salvation, faith, not in one's religiosity, not in one's goodness, but in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, in his atoning death and his resurrection life. That is the rock on which we build our life. He is the promised Messiah, the Savior the Jewish prophets spoke of, the Savior the apostles declared. What we believe, when we believe, as Peter tells us in Acts chapter 2, we will receive the Holy Spirit. But then as we learn in Ephesians 5.18, we're not to be filled with the Holy Spirit just once, but again and again and again and again and again. How do we do it? We sing songs of praise to one another. We speak truth to one another. We pray. We seek God. We build one another up in the faith. How do you know if you're walking in the Holy Spirit or if you're walking in your own strength? Well, Jesus tells us a good tree does not produce bad fruit and a bad tree does not produce good fruit. We can know a tree by its fruit. We can know what's in our heart by what's coming out of our life. That's Matthew chapter 7. Paul expands on this in Galatians 5 and he says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what the fruit of the flesh is. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is where it kicks in. He says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. If those are the fruits of your life... No matter how charismatic you are, how much you can put on a good face at church, how, how good your church clothes look, whatever it may be, if those are the fruits of your life, then you're not walking in the Holy Spirit. In the same way, I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Is that, is that the mark of your relationships? Is that the mark, if you're married, of your marriage? Is that, is that the mark of your life with God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. None of us have them in full. We're all growing. We're all a work in progress. But if these are growing in our life, we can take confidence we're growing in the Spirit. If these are diminishing in our life, whatever our spiritual activity looks like, we can take confidence we're not growing in the Spirit. Paul says... Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Jesus said that we've been crucified with him on the cross, and now we get to live this life growing in the Spirit and crucifying the flesh. How does it happen? We get thirsty. We come to Jesus, and we drink from his presence. We drink from his word. We sit at the table of God's banquet, and we eat and we drink until we're full so that we can pour out to a hurting and broken world. Friends, this is not personality driven. It's not how loud you can be or good you can preach or how well you can sing or how happy you can be when you walk in a room. It's about the fruit and the work of God in our life. Inevitably, when we read this list, we'll do some things better and some things not as good. I had a pastor once help me with this. He said, Dylan, the, the evidence of your maturity in Jesus is not the fruits of the Spirit that you're the best at, but it's actually the ones that you struggle with the most. He said, that's where you know if you're maturing or not. Your personality can help you cover the other ones. The greatest investment we can make is not in the stock market or real estate or careers or image or whatever it may be. The greatest investment we can make is in faith and hope and love and above all, 
walking in and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is not a burden for us to carry. This is an invitation uh, for us to accept. I want to invite you today to come to Jesus, to get thirsty again in your walk, to come to Him and to drink deeply of Him, to renew habits of spiritual life like Bible reading and prayer and confession and community and repentance. I believe that as we do those things, our hearts will grow strong, our faith will grow strong, and God will fill us up so that we can be a river of life everywhere we go. Those of us who are gathering in person today, we're going to have a time of prayer ministry, 10 to 15 minutes just praying over one another, with one another, obviously socially distanced and all that. For those of you online, I would encourage you, if you're watching with a roommate, if you're maybe even home alone, call a friend. If you're with your spouse, take a few minutes at the end of this message. Pray together. Sing a song together. Open your Bible together. Let God refresh you. Don't let today end without getting into the river of life so that you can become a river of life. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm excited about what God is doing through this community. I'm excited to build with you and especially as we're able to build these launch team meetings to see all that God will do in and through King's Church. Wish I was with you right now, but this will have to do for now. That's it for today. Have a great day. Get some time with the Lord and we will see you soon.